This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to Your Ingle Company, an investing podcast striving to disrupt the norms in the finance industry. I'm Maddie and as always, I'm in some very good company with my co-host Sophie. Hello Maddie, excited because coming up in today's episode, we take a look into what is causing all the volatility in the stock market at the moment. I know my stocks have been (laughs) down (laughs) and why your portfolio is potentially in the red. We'll be covering the Chinese property developer Evergrande that has gone from being relatively anonymous to most Australians to being one of the most talked about companies globally over the last month. We will also discuss everything you need to know about the US government running out of money (laughs) and the global supply chain issues that are happening around the world at the moment. And of course, what you can do in times like these. But first, before all the doom and gloom, (laughs) I have a joke for you. Okay, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) What do you call a financial scam in Egypt? What? (laughs) Surely you could have like a guess at this. Come on. Uh, mummy, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> mummy, a pyramid scheme. Oh, of course. <laughs> Love a good pyramid scheme. But before we get into today's episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wandry people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders, past and present, and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. Let's jump right in and hear from a YIGC community member. Show me the money, honey. Hi, my name's Emma. I'm 20 years old and I work in reception and I'm also studying as a full-time student still. Um, I'm earning roughly $1,000 to $1,500 per month. Um, I've just started investing and I've decided to invest at least $200 every month into a couple of ETFs. And as I get a bit more knowledgeable, I'm going to start investing into stocks that I like. Today, the total value of my portfolio is around $500 since I started investing a couple of months ago. I have made a loss of about 5 to $10, but I know the market's quite volatile and this money is staying in there for a long time. So I know it's going to go back up again, so I'm not too worried. Mads, I don't know about you, but as I said, my stocks have been a little bit in the red lately, and I feel like we're getting a lot of questions from people as well (laughs) as to what's happening. So I think it would be a good time to talk about like what's happening in the global sphere and why it's impacting the stock market. Yeah, I guess it's good to preface this conversation by saying that, yes, people are kind of saying stocks are down at the moment, we're all in the red and blah, 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 it's not good, but- Actually, the ASX is still up around 20% this year so far. So like, yes, things have come off a little bit, but 
it's like, it's not that bad, guys. Come on. <laughs> but it's a good way to, it's just a good time to talk about like why sometimes there is volatility so you can like really understand it and also like join the conversation about it as well if other people are talking about it. Yeah, for sure. It's like current events, but stock market edition. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. That is what we're doing today. 60 minutes on the stock market. <laughs> Not going for 60 minutes. <laughs> this is a story about the near-doomed Chinese property developer Evergrande. As Evergrande teeters on the edge of default. Company is also the most indebted property developer in the world to the tune of $300 billion. I, I understand that, but how? What do you do? What does that mean? So until about a couple of weeks ago, I had never heard about this so-called Evergrande. So what, what do we need to know? What's the rundown? Yeah. So I did a little bit of digging and I feel like I was actually saying this to a friend the other day. Google is like a really hard place to navigate now because you really have to read a lot of articles and like form an opinion. It's yeah. not just like the first link and yes. it's like, that's my information. <laughs> So I'll give a quick explainer of kind of what's happening. So for context, Evergrande is China's second largest property developer and the company sells houses that aren't built yet. So like buying off a plan. Um, and it's really been accumulating debt now for a long time and has over around $300 billion USD in debt, which is about, (laughs) yeah, I know it's a lot of money, which is about, I think like 400 billion AUD and it owes money to two main groups of people which are uh, homeowners who yeah and there was lots of youtube videos of like people in the evergrande offices like Mm. demanding their money back people have i know it's sad and bond holders so people have lent money to the company so they've obviously got crazy amounts of debt but why are we hearing about them now yeah so at the beginning of the year the chinese government imposed new rules to reduce the debt that um property companies could carry on their balance sheet and this essentially meant that some for someone like evergrand it brought forward the date that they have to start paying people back okay um, and they owe a lot of money and they're missing some of those repayments. So a couple of things that they've missed recently was a bond repayment of $47.5 million to investors, like not a small figure, yeah, no, <laughs> big figure. Um, and they also missed an interest payment, like just interest of $84.5 million. Oh my gosh. I can't even conceive these numbers. I know. Like imagine having an interest payment of $85 million. And for a little bit of context as well, I think Evergrande stock has come off about 80% of value since the start of this year. So Mm. it's definitely, I mean, fair enough, but the stock price is being punished for what it's going through right now. And I think when this first, this story first kind of broke, I was like, why is a property company in China affecting our stocks? Like what, like what is the cause and effect there? So maybe it'd be good to like chat through from what you've read, what's really happening at the moment. Yeah. So I guess the first thing is that like China is the second largest economy in the world Mm. and Evergrande's $300 billion of debt is two percent of china's gdp which for, from one company to make that up is just ginormous it's so, cr- it's it's massive like two yeah. percent is massive so but why is that like literally if we think about it like if evergrand tomorrow just like shut down they had no help they had to just go into bankruptcy like what is the like what happens why what yeah it's weird <laughs> why? Who, what when why all the w's <laughs> It's weird because it's like surely one company can't have that much of an impact, but it can. It literally can. So it's like if we take a step back, 
if it's such a huge part of the Chinese economy, it's going to have a big impact on its economic growth. Yeah. That then flows on to like China's imports and exports, which, which flows on to other countries. It creates uncertainty. It creates fear. It affects all the companies, which affects the stock market. So like the ramifications are huge. Yeah. And I always think with things like this, like I always try and get it down to the individual. Like if you think at the end of the day, like if Evergrande collapses and it owes a lot of people money that's a lot less cash in people's hands and that means there's less people less money to be spent on the economy and like it's sometimes good to try and like get it down to the individual and be like oh okay like if it was me if it was impacting me I'd probably be spending less yes and therefore not that my spending would really impact the economy (laughs) (laughs) I mean maybe one day my calls my calls local might be a bit disappointed but like other than that So, so if we are located in Australia, so let's talk like specific to Australia, what the impacts are going to be. So let's start big picture. We're thinking in China, we're thinking real estate. So China has been developing at like a crazy fast rate for so many years now. We know that they're one of the fastest growing countries in the world. Yeah. They actually have, and I was looking at this on YouTube this morning, it is extremely like confronting footage to say it's so weird. They have entire cities with empty apartment buildings. And like, I'm not talking like one or two empty apartment buildings. I'm talking like a whole city exists and it's empty. And I think this has been happening for a really long time. Like they've been building so many apartments because they have such high population growth. And there's also like people come from the country to the cities to try and get jobs. Mm -hmm. So they're like expecting this demand for these apartments, but then it doesn't happen. So with all of this in mind, like Evergrande's collapse is going to really dampen property development, leading to reduced demand for like construction materials, including steel, which is made mostly from iron ore. And if you're an Australian, this is huge news because iron ore is our biggest export and China accounts for nearly 70% of global iron ore imports and around 60% is coming from Australia. So direct impact for shareholders, for example, is if you own things like Fortescue Metals, BHP or Rio Tinto, they have a really close connection, obviously, to iron ore and therefore to Evergrande. And something like Rio Tinto, their share price has dropped approximately 23% over the past two months because Mm. of this. So that's a really easy correlation to see when it comes to like an event like this affecting Australia. Yeah. And I I mean, even putting iron ore aside, like China is still our biggest export market, like taking all the iron ore out. So just for some context, Australia's exports to China are around three times those of our second largest trading partner, Japan. So huge, huge connections to Chinese economy. So huge impacts because if Chinese economy slows down, they're going to be wanting less of our exports, which means we're getting less money in the door for the Australian government. Meaning goodbye, share market. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, that's not what it means. (laughs) But like could be a little blimp in the system. (laughs) Yes. So what's what's happening now? Like we know that they've defaulted on a couple of their payments and since a bit speculative, you know, what's going to happen in the future with a company like this, but is it going to fail? Like what's in the news at the moment? Yeah. I mean, there are lots of different kind of stories and ideas going around. Um, There has very recently been an announcement that Hopson Development, another property developer in China, could be buying a 51% controlling stake um, in the Evergrande property management unit. This is kind of the first sign of like major progress in terms of like clearing 
Evergrande's mountain of liabilities. What's different about Hobson? Like, do they just have a lot of cash? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Are they all good to go? I, I mean, I hope so. I really hope because we don't want this to happen again. We like don't want it to get time. even bigger. <laughs> so if they acquired them, they would be taking on all of their debt and then hopefully paying it off. Is that what the whole vibe hopefully, is for them? Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> So then a lot of people have been asking whether like the Chinese government is going to intervene because if it's going to have such a huge impact on the Chinese economy, like surely they would step in and fix it, right? Yeah. Well, who knows? It's China. I mean, yes, but also <laughs> like you might have heard people talking about how like something is too big to fail. It was something that they talked about in the global financial crisis a lot. It's the idea that if a company went bankrupt, the ramifications would be so widespread that the government would step in and save it, like we said. But then the issue is, is that like this sets a precedent, which no government wants, because then companies go around thinking that they can take all this debt. And then if something bad happens, the Mm. government will just save them. And they don't want that. Yeah, because you're walking such a fine line. Because on the one hand, you want the economy to be okay. But on the other hand, you don't want companies to think, okay, I'm going to accumulate a lot of debt. You got to look after your own self. Exactly. I think the one thing I would add in this situation is that China, unlike many other governments that we maybe would be more familiar with, it actually intervenes in markets quite regularly. And this, it has traditionally been seen to kind of like tolerate very few risks in the Chinese market. So it actually gets involved a lot more to ensure financial stability. So maybe they will do something. So, so what should we be looking out for in the news on this story? Yeah. If you want to keep up to date with it, I would just say, be looking out for things like whether they've defaulted on other payments. I guess that's a bad sign. Whether the government intervenes, I guess that could potentially be a good sign. Whether another company wants to acquire them, that could also be a good sign. But just know when there's big news coming out about Evergrande, you might see your stocks move around a little bit, depending on move what around. you want. <laughs> they might do, do a bit of cat cow, the yoga. <laughs> Let's take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be right back to chat all about the US government running out of money. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. America could face an economic and, crisis. Uh, for joining me today to talk about the need to raise the debt limit. We haven't failed to do that since our inception as a country. It would be disastrous for the American economy. To act. I, I understand that, but how? What do you do? What does that mean? I'm going to bring up your most hated topic. Oh, gosh. What is it? <laughs> What's your most hated topic? Mm, oh, COVID. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Took me a second there. <laughs> We're going to quickly talk about COVID, but we'll keep it really brief because we know that it's just a drag. 
But quick cap, recap on economic response to COVID. Governments around the world pumped money into the economy in order to avoid their countries falling into a recession. And the US was really no different. In fact, it was probably one of the biggest pumpers of money into the economy. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about debt. Governments often talk about spending billions of dollars on infrastructure, healthcare, or in the case of the virus that shall no longer be named for the rest of this episode, stimulus packages to support people. And the reason why we're going to be talking about debt is because in order to keep a cap on government spending, the the US and actually other countries around the world implement something called a debt ceiling. And a debt ceiling is a buzzword you might be hearing in the news a little bit more. We also have one in Australia. A debt ceiling is just a cap on the amount of money that the government can borrow. So why the hell is this debt ceiling also making my stocks look sad. Yes. So more debt, a bit like Evergrande. Currently. It's all debt. Yeah. Oh my God, guys. (laughs) How do we get less debt? Anyway. (laughs) Like we need more cash. No, then inflation. No, 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 no. We'll go into that next. Currently the US government is in around $28 trillion of debt. How do you get to $28 trillion of debt? Again, I just, these numbers I can't conceive. They are so hard to wrap your head around. That's like, how many zeros is that? Oh God, let's not do it. Okay, sorry. (laughs) So recently the US Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, announced that the US government was going to be running out of money on the 18th of October. And when we say running out of money, it just means that... um, Pretty much like in the US or in any country, you kind of have a budgeted amount of money. So you can think of like in Australia, our federal budget, you kind of commit to that spending and the US was running out of the debt that it could use to actually pay back people that it had already committed to. Yeah. So basically where we got to is if the debt ceiling isn't raised because that's what they're going to hit, then ultimately that would mean that the US government was going to default, which would not be good news for anyone. No, because this means that you aren't spending money in places that you said that you were going to be. So, for example, like this is very US-based, but social security payments, mm. um, child tax credit payments, payments to US military members, postal workers, and even federal government employees might stop getting paid because the government can no longer actually take out any money to give that to society. So why, if if the US is about to hit their US debt ceiling, why does that actually have an impact on any of our stocks? So in short, the US would need to cut a whole lot of funding for a whole lot of people. Mm -hmm. This means that there would be a whole lot less money in the hands of people and circulating throughout the economy. The US credit rating would also be downgraded. So just like if you miss a bunch of credit card or like loan repayments, the credit and your credit score goes down, the same would happen for the US government. This would spike interest rates, which go up to discourage borrowing and also reflect the increased risk of lending in uncertain times. If interest rates go up, then people will be paying more for interest on bank loans, on houses, cars, businesses. So it sounds like we are all going to be paying more, like if our interest rates go up. So what's the correlation there with the stock market? Yeah. So the effect on the share market is kind of twofold. Companies that you invest in have to pay higher prices to keep their businesses running. So for example, a lot of tech stocks who don't actually make a profit, they rely on debt. So they'll have to pay higher interest rates on their loan amounts, which which ultimately impacts their performance. Mm, That's so true. So you've got to think about it from like a business perspective. Businesses Mm. are paying more. And then what's the other side of the argument? That consumers like us have less disposable income to put into the stock market. So 
let's say in an ideal world, I had a home loan. <laughs> I would have in, to pay. In an ideal world or like in a, in a reality, not reality, in a fantasy world. Yes. <laughs> let's say in Maddie's fantasy world when yeah. she has her home loan, I would potentially have to pay more on my loan repayment. So that means less money in my pocket, which means less money to invest. Yeah, right. Okay. So businesses are struggling and then consumers just have less to actually put in. So it's likely that the demand would go down. So for context, in the last debt ceiling standoff, the S&P 500, so that top 500 US companies index actually lost around 17%. That was Obama times. Yeah, Obama times. Good so times. it has, it has happened before. And like, if, if you want any context around the US debt, you can definitely research it, but they're in a lot of debt. Like they haven't seen surplus in a long time. <laughs> Just like we're not going to see surplus for a long time with <laughs> yeah. all our COVID spending, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> So it sounds a bit scary. It sounds like our stocks could be going down if we don't raise the debt ceiling. Have we had any news whether they are going to raise it or? Yeah. So on Thursday last week or the 7th of October, the debt ceiling was raised through to early December. So we've got a bit of short-term reprieve, but it's still sort of unclear what's going to happen on that date. So so, so what do we need to be looking for in the news? Well, currently it sounds like they're just putting a Band-Aid on like a huge gaping hole. Mm. <laughs> so Good. I think Good. there's going to be a lot of news about it. But, yeah, I think it's just keeping up to date with I guess what the government – I mean, there's a lot of parties involved, but what the government is really going to do with this and whether they continue to raise it or whether they say that they're not going to. Because if they're not going to, I would suspect that it's going to be pretty bad news for the stock market. So I think there is one more important topic that we need to discuss. Let's call this one like honorable mentions. (laughs) Honorable. Is that what we want to call it? Okay. Consumer prices soared more than expected last month as inflation jumped to a 13-year high. In the grocery store, at the gas pump, on the car lot, prices keep rising. The sharp increase in inflation blindsided many economists. From May to June, inflation jumping nearly 1%. I understand that, but how? What do you do? Okay, so this honorable mention is inflation. And the reason why we want to bring it up is because I feel like it's in every second like news article that I'm seeing at the moment. Yeah, and it has been a while. So quick recap, inflation can occur when there basically are just too many dollars in the system and not enough goods. So so if you think about like what we've just spoken about, it sounds like the economy as the US government and other governments around the world are just pumping money into the system, right? Exactly. So that's all the, that's the too much money in circulation. Yes. And then basically the supply of products can't keep up. Yeah. Not enough goods means that we are having kind of big supply chain issues around the world at the moment. So when COVID really struck, people were out of the workforce, there were lockdowns, you know, social distancing. People at ports got COVID, they weren't enough workers. And this pretty much meant that it really slowed down the production of goods, but also getting goods to people. So the issue here is we have all this money that people want to spend in the economy, but we don't actually have enough goods to keep up with the amount of money. Yeah. So some good examples. You've put <laughs> the shortage of wood here. Yeah, there was like big construction, like timber. There was oh, okay. big construction issues. There you go. <laughs> People like couldn't get timber to build houses. <laughs> the other big one that I've heard a lot about is the global shortage of semiconductors. Yeah. And this is a pretty big deal because these semiconductors are an essential part of electronic devices found in pretty much everything. So we're talking like phones to cars to even machinery in factories, which is further impacting 
the issues with production. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys are across what has been happening with the car market recently, but this is a good illustration of inflation because if you want a new car, you could be waiting for like up to an over 12 months. It's really crazy. And as a result, not only are the prices of new cars rising because there's so much demand and competition to get them, but then you've also got the second-hand car market going crazy because they have all this disposable income that they want to spend and they're willing to spend it in order to get the car. I even saw the other day that Amazon was saying that you should start ordering your Christmas presents now. Oh, I know. I saw that too. <laughs> it made me so stressed. Which is really annoying because I'm the type of person that buys Christmas presents in the week of Christmas. Yeah. So trying to think that I just like, can't process that right now. Like, in my head, we are literally still in April 2020. Oh my gosh, I got in trouble at work the other day because I put 2020 on a report. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> vulnerable. (laughs) (laughs) So we know inflation's happening, but what's the impact on the stock market? So in the short run, uh, inflation isn't necessarily a great thing for your stocks. The general economic slowdown means people are going to be spending less money. It leads to lower sales and profits, which drag down share prices. And honestly, investing just becomes a little less attractive because we're paying more for our goods as is, and we just have less money to be putting into other things. Over the long run, inflation can actually be quite good for stock investors. It can kind of act as like protection against inflation because once the businesses that you're investing in adjust to higher prices, it means the economy is actually kind of growing and expanding. Yeah. I think they say like you need inflation for your stocks, but just in the short run, it can be a little bit more volatile. This sounds like freaking doom and gloom as if we haven't had enough in 2020 2021 so anyone else that's in melbourne right now we've what they're the most locked down city in the bloody world so i've got a fun fact for you okay please can we <laughs> lift up the bloody spirits it's a statistic but it's a good one okay so jp morgan asset management did this study in 2019 and it showed the impacts that pulling out of the market has on your portfolio so this all sounds really scary for me and i don't want my money invested Yes, but looking back over the 20-year period from 1999 to 2018, if you missed the top 10 best days in the stock market, your overall return was cut in half. That is a huge impact for just 10 days. I don't, I don't really get that. What do you mean? <laughs> so basically what it's saying is like the stock market goes up and down, right? And yeah. we talk about wanting time in the market instead of timing the market. And yeah. that is what this talks to. So we don't know when the best 10 days are going to be in the year. Mm. And what this is saying is if you happen to miss those best 10 days, your returns are going to be significantly cut. And that is why it benefits you just to be in the market instead of be trying to be in and out at the perfect time, depending on what you think is going to happen. Yeah. So what you're saying really, because I still don't really understand, is buy and hold for the long term (laughs) and invest regularly. I think you understand. (laughs) Ooh, that's going straight in my basket. (laughs) So today we're going to do watch this with a little bit of a twist and looking at what investors kind of can do in times like this. So Maddie, what are you adding to the watch list today? And I really am excited to see, like to track these ones. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, it should be interesting. I am adding one of my first ever investments, which was gold. So gold has often been referred to as a hedge against inflation. And traditionally, it's had really low correlation with other asset classes. So basically what that means is if the stock market is going up, gold like 
doesn't go up, it probably goes down or it sort of stays low. Yeah. But if the stock market crashes, the value of gold goes up. And a really great example of when we saw that was when gold hit all-time July. highs in the middle of last year when the stock market was really down and impacted because of COVID. Right. I think it's a really similar thing happened as well with the financial crisis when the stock market completely crashed and gold was up 19% while the rest of the equity markets fell by 35%. Yeah. So this means that it provides just a really good opportunity for diversification during times like this of market turbulence and volatility, potentially dulling the impact of the market drop on your portfolio. So I guess I'm never like when I add gold to my portfolio, I'm not sitting here being like, oh, it's going to be a hundred bagger. Like this is what's going to make me rich. It's not going to make you rich, but it's going to help dampen out the effects. Robo advisor Stockspot increased its allocation to gold in its clients' portfolios from 10% to 12.3% in 2017. And they said that this helped protect their clients from 50 to 80% of the market fallout last year. Wow. That's big. So how do you actually invest in gold? Do I have to go down to the bank and buy some gold coins? Well, that is literally one way. So there are a few options for investing. The first one is you just buy physical gold, whether it be like coins. Like a block? I think it's called a bullion. Anyway, I really hope I'm saying that right or I'm going to be so embarrassed. Anyway, the other way is you can invest in a range of ETFs that have gold exposure, or you can invest in gold mining companies. The one that I have in my portfolio is ETF ticker gold. This one is actually backed by physical gold, which is stored in a vault in London. Wow. And it has a management fee of 0.4%. So I am adding G-O-L-D to our watch list. Gold, as some would say. (laughs) (laughs) What have you got for us, though? I am actually adding, which I never thought I'd add to the watch list, but I guess... Also very current and relevant, but I'm adding Bitcoin Uh. (laughs) to the watch list. (laughs) Nice. So what is your justification for this one? So what I've been reading a lot uh, lately is that Bitcoin is potentially an alternative to buying gold. Mm, Digital gold. Yeah, like digital gold. (laughs) So the reason why cryptocurrency or Bitcoin specifically is similar to gold, it's that in the sense that it's not too closely tied to the US dollar. So if the, say, for example, the US dollar inflates, and we're talking about inflation, there is no correlated impact on Bitcoin. So just because something happens to the US dollar, it doesn't mean it's also going to happen to the asset class of Bitcoin. I saw the author of Rich Dad Poor Dad tweeting saying, get gold, silver, Bitcoin and Ethereum before the biggest stock market crash in history. I was like, wow. That's like such clickbait. I saw that too. And I was like, oh my God, what do I need to be buying? (laughs) Caught in a trap. No, but I think the reason why I've added this to the watch list today is because I find it really interesting because what we're really seeing is this demographic shift. So millennials are likely, more likely to be triggering a crowding out of gold, owing their preferences for digital assets. So a couple of the facts that I've read are that, you know, younger investors are definitely preferring these digital assets. 7.5% of millennials between 25 to 34 own gold and silver, whilst 25%, so a lot more, are actually owning digital currencies, including Bitcoin. And another 31% are really interested in acquiring it. I feel like you're going head to head and like kind of talking trash about my watch list. No, no, not trash, (laughs) just digital version of your watch list. Yeah, but that's like the upgrade. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, there's nothing wrong with the real, you know, stable. Yeah, old school. (laughs) 
But no, I actually really, how I form my opinion around this is I don't think that necessarily um, Bitcoin has a place in replacing gold. I think they are both stores of value, but they have different purposes. You know, gold can be used in manufacturing, jewelry, electronics, but Bitcoin facilitates instant cross-border payments, remittances, etc., without central authorities. So I think they're just different ways to hedge against inflation, but also an interesting way to think about it. Okay. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> you can take my word for it and I'm probably speaking trash. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of today's episode. We hope that this has helped give you some context around what is going on in your portfolio at the moment, why there's so much doom and gloom around in the news, and hopefully just some clarity so that you don't have to feel so fearful that you don't understand what's happening. And I would just say during this time, like I know that you and I are constantly just checking, not constantly is like you have to be doing it all the time, but just checking the headlines, trying to understand what happens. Because if, for example, you're checking your portfolio and going, ah, like look at the news and be like, oh, Evergrande missed a payment. That's fine. Like just it's good to contextualize it in that way so that you're not so worried about what's happening. So head across to our Instagram at YGC Podcast. We will be posting more and more on these topics to keep you across what is going on. If you have any questions from this episode, I'm sure there will be many. So please feel free to send us a DM or join us on Facebook. Yeah, join the YIGC Investing Podcast Discussion Group. Well done. Because <laughs> people are really actually speaking about the current events that are happening on that group. Actually. <laughs> well, I, yeah, sorry. <laughs> People are talking about these current events on the on the group and I think it's really get good to get other people's opinions and insights because at the end of the day, you can't read everything on Google. So it's just good to get, you know, your little snippets on the comments. <laughs> and if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review. It means a whole lot to us and it helps us get noticed by other people. Bye. (laughs) Catch you next week. (laughs) You're in good company is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of You're in Good Company are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Your In Good Company acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people together. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. 
Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.